Good afternoon. It's Corey Harlock here from Key Hire Solutions. Thanks for joining the uh, podcast live stream here today. Uh, as you know, Key Hire offers solutions for small businesses. We work with the five to $25 million a year range uh, revenue employees. The three main reasons you'd ever want to work with Key Hire is if you want to upgrade a leadership position. 60% of the work we do is uh, creating new roles within the organization of small business or we do a complete talent plan. If you have more business than you have talent in the building or capacity or experience in the building, we can build you a talent plan to expand that organizational chart and help you grow. Uh, today, we're talking with Freddie Mendez from SolarCraft. He's a VP of operations. We're gonna talk about some operational stuff. Freddie's done an amazing job there. As always, if you have any questions while you're listening to us talk, Drop them in the comment section. We'll get to them at the end. We always like to answer a couple of questions. We're going to spend about 15 minutes with Freddie. And then we'll uh, get to any questions you might have. If you like the content, hit the like button. If you want to share it, please send it to someone who you think might get value out of this. We're here to help small business owners and give them information to build better businesses. So the more we can share this information, the better. Uh, a little background on Freddie. Uh, Freddie has been with SolarCraft. We were just talking about this, about five, just pushing on five years. Uh, key hire, we are just starting our seventh year. So we just wrapped our sixth year. Freddie was, uh, he's one of our biggest success stories. I mean, he, we put him in uh, or, or introduced him to SolarCraft over five years ago. He started as their uh, manager of operations, has since climbed to their VP of operations, and um, navigated them through a record year last year with all these supply chain issues and everything that was happening and is preparing that organization to uh, build upon that record year. So Maddie, can we bring Freddie on in? Hey, Freddie, how you doing? I'm doing well, Corey, how did, you doing? I'm awesome. Did I, did I get that? Was I right with the information? Did we get it right? Yes, we did. Awesome, cool. So uh, Freddie, you and I, we not only did we work together to have you join SolarCraft, and obviously it's worked out really well for me. You've kind of gone from manager to VP, but we've also worked on bringing a number of different people into that organization. So what's really cool about uh, Key Hire is we get to work with people and put them into companies, and then they get you know we bring leaders in, then they want to build out their team, so we get to work with with them as a client as well, which I I, I think is really cool and fun. Yeah, it is. Uh, we just recently uh, brought in a, uh, a materials director for our group. Uh, that's one of the things we were looking for for key hire to fill, and they did. Uh, so I'm very grateful that you brought in that talent that we needed, since the company's going to grow in the next year or two uh, to from uh, 15 million to 20 million or 25 million. Uh, we need that talent in our in our in our pool right now to help us out. And, and obviously, you know, we're here to talk about operational effectiveness and efficiencies. We don't want to talk about, I think supply chain is a universal challenge, right? So Correct. talking about supply chain, I think everyone's going to go, yep, I face that. But what I really wanted, and, and so we brought in that role to, you you guys did the homework and said, look, this is going to be a key role we need to, we need to put in place if the supply chain issues are going to continue and if we want to grow because we need to get more effective in terms of our material management, purchasing, all that good stuff, right? Yes, that's correct. All right. And what was the thought process behind that? Just to touch on it a little bit. Uh, more experience, more talent. Uh, we had to, uh, 
a, we have a small group of purchasers, but they needed a good leader. They needed a good talent to, to lead that team and procure the material and uh, put some schedules in place for us. You know, supply chain has been an issue for the last year, year and a half. Everybody's going through it. We're not the only ones. Uh, but we have somebody there that can actually uh, make things happen, negotiations. It helps a lot. It helps tremendously with the, the planning and the scheduling, the capacity and the resources, uh, buying equipment, uh, scheduling, you know, alternative shifts. Uh, if the company keeps on growing. So th those are the things that I look at on a, on a daily, weekly basis is the schedule and capacity and resources that we have in order to execute uh, the current orders we have in-house. Awesome. Okay. So when we talk about kind of operational effectiveness, I mean, I, I think you have a lean background, right? Yes, uh, I have a lean background, uh, not to the extent that I wanted to, but I've learned uh, several things in other manufacturing companies that I've been with. Uh, that that I've implemented here as well, so we can be more efficient and utilize our employees uh, better, and also our machines better. And so, just for clarity, so people understand Solarcraft, you guys are um, you guys do a lot of things in that shop, right? You're bending metal, you're doing panel panel work. Yes. So but you're also doing electrical. Like it's a complex, and you're doing everything in house. It's not just like we're it's a plug and play operation. Correct. So, so Solarcraft. Uh, the name uh, implies solar, uh, but we're more than that. Uh, we have our own fabrication shop in-house. So we have uh, a laser, a press break, uh, welders that do all of our fabrication. So we fabricate and we have our own engineers as well. So our engineers design complex systems uh, for off-grid uh, sites that need power uh, or other companies that just need a backup of UPS. So the name really throws it off. People think we we just sell solar panels and uh, residential, but we don't do residential. We do a lot of commercial. We do a lot of customization. Uh, so I welcome anybody that wants to come to SolarCraft to do a shop tour. Uh, we're open, uh, you know, five days a week, uh, Monday to Friday, eight, eight to five. Come in, look at the shop, look what we're capable of doing. Uh, we fabricate everything. Uh, the only thing we don't do is we outsource powder coating and galvanizing, but everything else is assembled here from uh, control panel assembly, PLCs, uh, complex systems. Uh, we're also a distributor for Victron, uh, Victron uh, 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 parts as well. Uh, so we use, use that quite a bit in all, all of our systems here. Uh, and then we uh, ship those systems out to where, where, they need, where they need to go. Yeah, and you're downplaying what you do quite a bit. I mean, you guys do everything from a box to a bus station to uh, you know 20 by 20 or 30 by 30 buildings full yeah. of complex control systems and panels and remote power. Correct. Uh, we also do uh, gas chromatographs integration as well with our shelters, or our, our, our customized build. Uh, so we have modular uh, shelters and buildings that we can customize uh, to the customer specification as well. Cool. And, and I just wanted to get that background. I think it's important. So when we talk about, you know, the first question is, you know, what was the biggest challenge in preparing your shop and your facility to grow? Now people have the context. What are we doing? What are we building here? You know, so what what was the in your experience to go from, you know, let's call it 15 million to 20 million? What was the biggest challenge you or the operation faced? And I guess in lean terms, it would be what was that biggest constraint that you had to deal with to prepare the operation to deliver on that kind of revenue? It was resources, the labor pool. 
one of the challenges that I faced last year was the labor pool, right? Um, trying to be competitive with the market, we had to increase our hourly rates to our hourly employees in order to be competitive with other markets out there to get the right pool. Uh, we've increased our labor rate from anywhere between 10% or 17% just to keep the talent pool. We also developed uh, on-the-job training uh, so we can get people in here that don't, don't have the experience but are willing to learn and willing to uh, take the initiative and uh, do something with uh, with their hands here. Assembly, wiring, uh, you know, running the fab shop, learning how to run the laser, learning how to uh, bend the part. Uh, we also have flexible schedules. Uh, we're developing something right now where people can actually have a flexible schedule where they can work uh, three days out of the week and be off three days out of the week. Uh, so that's in, in plan right now. See, we can execute that this year. Uh, and also the culture, the culture that we have is very positive. Everybody works together as a team and also the incentives. We, we incentivize our employees. Uh, if the company is doing well, we'll incentivize our employees to have a little incentive for uh, in the shop working on, uh, on our equipment. And I can second that because I went to your Christmas party and I saw Daryl put it on the board, right? And yes. he's, he's usually, and Daryl's one of those unique owners that will actually look for a reason to pay the incentive versus look for the reason not to. Correct. Yeah. And so uh, what I know, uh, what is your retention rate amongst your hourlies? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I can tell you right now, our retention rate, I don't have a percentage or anything, but it's very low. Uh, we probably... Your turnover is low. Our turnover is low. Right. Okay. Because I know not a lot of people resign from there. They Some people are asked to leave because they, they, they're not following the rules, but I know not a lot of people resign out of your shop. That is correct. Yeah. Because um, you guys... Yeah, we have a, a person that's been here, I think, about uh, 15 years. Uh, there's some long tenure here, 10 years, uh, 13 years. So people stay around with the company for a very long time. And again, re referencing the Christmas party, I, it really is a family feel. Like all of them, when we were doing the white elephant Santa thing, they're all hooting and hollering and yelling and cheering each other on. And it was, it was, it was a really nice environment to be a part of. It is. It, it really is. I mean, uh, Daryl really takes care of his employees. And, you know, the, the managers that we have also take care of their employees. Yeah. And taking care of the employees, take, and that's where you create the culture, right? Uh, we want to retain the employees, but, you know, everybody has has to have some kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it, life balance, right? It's not all about work, but you also have to recognize that, you know, people have families. People need to go home. People need to spend some time with their family. And, uh, and it's hard to get away from that, though, when you're busy and you're like, we got to we got to pump these units out, guys. We need yeah. you. We need you. We need you. And then they say, yeah, I don't need you this much. Right. I right. You, you burn out people. And that's one of the challenges that I had uh, last year was the resources, finding the right resources, finding the right talent, trying to keep them here, you know, to, uh, to understand our products. Our products are not, not cookie cutter. They're custom made. Uh, to specifications, so they need to know what they're they're doing here. And the challenge was a lot of a lot of our employees were working a lot of overtime last year because of it. So this year, we're our challenge is to get more resources in house so we can go ahead and uh, mitigate some of the excessive overtime that they're, they're they're occurring. Because I don't want anybody of my employees to hurt themselves on the job or even you know resign because of it. Right. Okay. So it, 
you know, the next question is around your challenge or, or the, the, um, the failures, right? What's the biggest mistake you made uh, trying to scale the business? I know it's not an easy one to talk about, but it could be around staffing. It could be around anything, Freddie, but you know, what was that oops moment you had where you thought, uh, man, if I could have a do over, I would change what I did. Well, I don't consider it a, a mistake. I just consider it more of a lesson learned, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, I think the pace of growth exceeding the, the plan, right? So we sit, sit down every year uh, and work out a plan uh, to see how the year is going to be. And we work around that plan. But when the, uh, the pace of the growth exceeds the plan, you can't predict that. So I think, again, going back to the labor pool, right? Trying to hire, getting people in you know, uh, evaluating them. If they're not working out, uh, do we want to keep them or release them, right? I never want to release anybody, but if, if they're not doing any uh, justice for the company, there's no point of keeping them around. But the biggest challenge, I think, uh, what I've learned is trying to get as much resources as we can in case we run into those issues, that we have enough capacity to keep up with the plan. But again, if the, uh, the growth is exceeding the plan, that's challenging. So is your biggest lesson learned, like put an overage in there on plan, like a plus or minus, so yeah. you can kind of understand or, or react, be more agile to the the business volume? Yes. And it's, sometimes it's seasonal. I mean, we have our seasonal uh, times that uh, we have spikes and we have to bring in, uh, you know, some other talent somewhere else. Uh, but it's difficult to predict. And. Yeah, I need to put a, I'll, I'll put a buffer now. I have a capacity model uh, that I put a buffer now to kind of compensate for some of those issues. Very cool. Awesome. And the last question we have for you is if I, if I were a $10 million manufacturing facility and I was forecasting to do $15 million next year, what would you say is, as an owner, the first thing I should do to prepare my operation to be able to execute on a, a record year in sales and to be able to pump product out the door, a high quality and on time. Wow. Um, What's the first step? Define the plan, define the forecast, define what are you really going to sell the following year or six months from now, right? And create a plan. What kind of equipment are you going to need to, to, uh, execute that is there equipment that we need to invest you know is there more resources or more talent that we need to get in order to achieve that right do we need to come up with a alternative shift a second shift to keep up with demand uh, but again it comes down to the plan and then the management team or the leadership team needs to meet on a regular basis uh, monthly weekly just to calibrate each other to see hey where, where things are at are we heading in the right direction or are we not What's happening in the market? You know, do we need to back away from it? Do, do we keep uh, going forward with it? I mean, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked, but we, it needs to be defined and set set a plan and a, a plan and try to execute that plan. And also, you alerted a, a bit to having contingencies in place, which you referred to before. But if the plan were not meeting plan, what kind of levers do we pull, or what action do we take if we're exceeding plan? What have we put in place to make sure that we can say, okay, now execute on that. We're above where we wanted to be. So these are the resources. This is These are the actions we need to take. Would you recommend getting that detailed in terms of the plan? 
Yes, I mean, those details need to be in there, but also having the monthly uh, meetings with your team uh, to calibrate each other to see where things are at. I mean, each department has their own responsibilities and we get so uh, focused on one area, then we don't focus on the rest of the areas uh, either, right? Uh, yeah. we, we need to know what's going on in each department in order to help each other out, right? Maybe I, I don't know what's going on in sales. I, I need to know what's going on in sales. And, and I do know what's going on. So what's coming into the shop so I can plan accordingly. Right. You know, uh, are we getting a you know $10 million order that they need to be executed by the end of the year? How are we going to execute that? We were not planning for that order. But yeah, we need to plan for it now so we can execute. We do a good job at doing that. That's one. That's one of the the um, relationships within the business that Solarcraft does a great job. I remember years ago when we started working together, the operation sales relationship wasn't great, but now it seems to really be transparent and over communicated. And you know, your guy, the sales guys aren't out there promising to deliver stuff that you're thinking there's no way we can deliver. No, we we don't work that way. We have a good open relationship with our sales team. I think one of the positive things that we've created here at SolarCraft is working and having a great relationship with each department that we have here, from sales to engineering to manufacturing to uh, purchasing. We have an open relationship here that we try to fix what we can, help each other, improve our processes. You know, we all going to make mistakes, right? Mistakes happen. It's how you deal with those mistakes. That the over. I've been in a lot of facilities and whenever I go into solar craft, the, the mood is always very calm. It's people doing their people who know what they're doing, doing their jobs. The, the, I've, I've watched you communicate with the sales leader, Todd, and it's always just a, Hey, you know, what's going on here? Oh, this is what we have going. Um, no one's hair is ever on fire or saying, I, you know, you get a lot of these heated, uh, discussions uh, between departments and some some facilities and SolarCraft is refreshingly at, it lacks those conversations. Yeah, we ha we have our heated discussions, but at the end of the day, we're here to do it. We're here to achieve a plan, right? Right. And, and the plan is to uh, be successful at what we do in order to keep employees employed, right? We're gonna keep growing the organization as as it allows and plan for those growths with sales, with engineering, with operations. Awesome. Well, Freddie, I kept you, I lied to you. I said 15 minutes for five minutes over. So, uh, hey man, thank you so much for your time. Um, one thing I did not mention that I think is worth mentioning is everyone, Freddie is a former Marine. Thanks for your service. We appreciate thank that. Thank you. Uh, and so give us your final plug on SolarCraft. I know you mentioned you're, you're challenging people to come in and have a tour of your facility. What else you guys have going on there? Uh, you know, give us a shot. We, we do UPSs. Uh, we provide power where you can get power. Uh, you know, our grid is not the best here in Texas. So if you need a, if you need a UPS, we can design one for you custom made. Uh, we do a lot of those, uh, out for a lot of cu uh, customers at, at, at this present moment. So if you're willing to have a part made or anything like that, we can do it for you. We're a custom shop. Uh, we have some designs. Uh, we, we take, we like to take on the challenge. And again, you've undersold. You guys are a best-in-class product too, which you, you which you fail to 
you you underplay it, but SolarCraft really is a custom made best in class product, and um, you guys do a great job. Thank I know you, and I know you're busy right now, so <laughs> I appreciate you carving twenty minutes out of your day to talk to us. Thanks, Freddie. Yeah, thank you, Corey. Have a good day. All right, there's Freddie, one of my favorites. I refer to him as the bulldog or the pit bull, one of them, one or the other. He's he's relentless once he gets something, once he gets stuck on something. Okay, Matt, did we get any questions come up during that? What do we have? What are some of the common pitfalls to look out for when prepping to scale? So I, I'm super biased on this. I'm going to say your people plan, your talent plan. Um, if if you're if if you have, and we'll make this really simple, if your leadership team capacity is if you're struggling to do ten million dollars. So if your capacity of your team is ten million dollars, and ten million dollars feels hard, and you're forecasting to do 20% growth, 12 million. The constraint in that business is, in my world, will be your people. If your people only need know how to build $10 million processes or design an organization to execute on $10 million worth of business, asking them to do 12 um, is going to be hard. And that's where we come in and can really help create a new role, whether, you know, we'll, we'll talk about ops uh, because we we're just talking with Freddie. But if your operational leader is tapped out in terms of their experience and capacity, that's where maybe, you know, if you have a manager, we might need to bring in a director, someone with 20, 30, 40, $50 million worth of experience who can work with that manager and develop them and build, help show them how and work hand in hand with them to build the policies and procedures and uh, the organization um, lean out the facility, not to do 12 million. Uh, you know, one of my favorite expressions is we don't hire leaders to do uh, a $10 million business that wants to do 12. We hire an, a leader to run a $20 million business currently doing 10. So we want someone who can come in and build bigger and better process and procedure than you need today. So when you do start scaling, you can scale responsibly and grow into the processes and procedures and systems that you've already laid out. And to me, the biggest mistake um, business owners will make is, hey, we're just going to make do with the people we have and we'll just push them a little harder. But if your foot, if your if your gas pedal's already to the floor, you can't push it any further down. So if you're already running your people to their maximum capacity, it's time to go out and get some fresh eyes and some fresh experience. What's the next question, Matt? How will I know when it's time to scale? Uh, this is a great question. So uh, I use two analogies here. We have the idling Porsche and the red line Miata. So the idling Porsche, and in these analogies, if the engine is your your delivery mechanism. So it's your operation, it's your service, it's the people that are pushing the product out, the product or service out the door. And the driver of that vehicle is your sales team. So the idling Porsche is when you have a great sales team that can't put any more sales into the funnel. Uh, sorry, my bad. So an idling Porsche is when you have an operational team that is ready to go. Give us business. We have capacity. We want to add people to the shift. We have people that are only doing six hours of work on an eight-hour shift. We are streamlined and ready to go. But your sales team is not pushing sales into the funnel. 
So that's kind of one, right? Your driver um, is driving your, your Porsche, the idling Porsche, you're driving it down the slow lane in first gear, right? They have a sports car ready to go, ready to deliver, but they're not challenging that engine, right? They're not, they're, they're not pushing hard enough on the gas pedal. That's one challenge you're gonna face. The second challenge is the Redline Miata. So that's when you have a sales team that is pushing sales into the funnel, but your sale, your, your delivery team, they, they have no more capacity. They can, they're going as fast as they can. And like I just alluded to, when your foot's already to the floor in your Miata and the, the RPM gauge is in the red line, you can't push any further. And if you run an engine on the red line long enough, it's going to melt. It's going to blow up. It's going to jam. It's going to stop. So if you want to prepare to scale, you have to make sure you have a harmony within those two departments. You will never have a perfect match. Sales and operations will never be perfectly aligned. Sales will always be pushing operation or operations will be, you know, pulling sales along. You're, you're never going to grow nice. You're always going to get sales, then operations got to come up. And then operations going to say, okay, we're ready for more. Then sales is going to have to have to go and deliver more. So there's always this dance. But having, if you want to scale, you have to have the talent in the building to do it. If you haven't been able to scale for five years with the same team, I don't think it matters what plan you put together. If they don't have the capacity, the experience, the know-how to get the next 20%, the plan doesn't matter because you don't have the people to execute on the plan. It's our last one here. What should I scale first, sales or production? So there you go. We will go back to our car analogy. It depends where the need is. Um, if, if, if your production is already struggling, you, let's level up production. Let's bring inject some capacity, some leadership, some experience into production or delivery, whatever we want to call it. If it's sales, you're not generating enough opportunities to challenge production, then we're going to want to level up sales. But you need to go, I think, and, and do an honest assessment of, of what's going on in the business. Oftentimes in our business, we will have what I refer to as an overvalued asset. And we can use this from a production standpoint. The person that used to be a line employee, you know, they've worked for you for 10 years. Let's say they're 40 years old and they've worked for you for 10 or 12 years. That means they've spent most of their time in their working career in your business. Started off on the line. They were responsible. They showed up every day. They took it serious. So you promoted them, maybe do, uh, to lead their, their area of production. Then you promoted them again because they seemed to do really well there into uh, a supervisor. And then you made them the manager. And then you just said, heck, I'm going to get them to run the whole operation. And each time you gave them a raise and you incentivized them and you promoted them because you trusted them and they cared and it seemed good. It seemed like a match. But soon the operation will outgrow that individual's experience. And that's where you get a constraint. That's where you get a, a talent gap or an experience gap and you get a constraint in the business. But the challenge is, and when I say they're an overvalued asset, because you have empowered them and trusted them and incentivized them. They're often making 
their salary or their package, their total cash comp is either at market or even above market often, but their skills and experience and abilities and capacities are low, lower end of the market. So I often say you might have a $90,000 employee that's been with you for 12 years, but on the open market, if they were to go out and get a job with another company, no other company is going to value them as highly as you do. And they, you might be paying them 90, but they might only be worth 70 on the market if they were to go somewhere else. And that's what I mean by an overvalued asset. So that's where we need to honestly look at people or bring in people like key hire to look at your people and say, here's a constraint that you, you should consider. And a way that we can overcome that constraint is by bringing in and starting to build out your organizational chart for growth so we can coach and mentor and give that person the experience and support they need to stay on with your business, but also grow and be successful with your business. So I don't know if I answered that fully, but, um, you know, always be on the lookout for overvalued assets within your business. And it's not a bad thing. I want to be really clear about this. It's the way you grow a business, a small business in the beginning, right? You hire your in-laws, you hire your neighbor, you hire your friends, your neighbors, you pay them. Everyone does a bunch of jobs. And then the next phase, you know, you got this really good, conscientious, reliable person that you trust. So you give them more responsibility because they show up every day and they give a shit. Um, and then eventually, if everyone does what they're supposed to do, the business gains traction and it grows. And ultimately, it will outgrow the, the revenue or volume of business will become greater than the capacity and the ability of the people in that business. And that is kind of that crisis of leadership that's kind of outlined in Greener's model curve where that's that first crux as a business owner you're going to get to where you have to really sit back and say, okay, if I truly want to scale this, how do I do it? And oftentimes the answer to that question is we got to bring capacity and experience into the business. We need more people who can run their area of the business, free up the owner to do big picture thinking and take care of sales or operations or administration, whatever it is, and take all that stuff off that owner's plates. And you're really hiring a specialist in that area. Okay, Matt, I think that's it. We're at 2.31. I'd like to thank everyone who hung in for these this 31 minutes. Uh, if you want to replay this or see the video, you can catch us on YouTube. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Key Hire Solutions. You can check out the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast now or you want to listen to other podcasts, you can listen to our podcast. It's Key Hire Solutions for Small Business. You can get it where they play any of the uh, any major po or any podcasts, and you can check us out on our website um, if you'd like to learn more about you know identifying overvalued assets or uh, leveling up your leadership team. You can uh, come to the website. We actually have a free session. No sales, no weirdness, just uh, good advice. We can sit and chat with you and learn about your business and offer you some suggestions, things you can take back to your business. We're here to help first. Uh, if you like what we say and you think we can help you, we can talk about working together down the road. If you've liked what you've heard here today, please like it, share it, uh, whatever you want to do uh, to get the word out, because we know there are business owners uh, out there who are looking for help. 
have questions about what to do next. And if you think the information you got here today could help them, please share that with them. Until next time, we will see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening to the Key Hire Show for Small Business. We'll talk to you soon.